Hey guys, Evan. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that this week there's not going to be a week in wrestling or food for thought. Instead, we're just going to kind of go right through these. They are segmented into three different episodes, uh, three different segments, just so we can make sure everything's saved as usual. Um, there's not going to be a music tone either because I don't know quite how to do that. However, what there will be is a plug for March 23rd, Anarchy versus Everybody at the end. Front row already sold out, so if you're listening to this, Get your tickets now. But there'll also be an actual plug at the end. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome once again to another episode of the Dollar Menu Mid-Carters. I'm of course Pierre Abernathy, that's Evan Dolistico, and we have our fact checker Cinnamon the Dog with us. Yeah, no Gary today, so... Where is Gary? Uh, He just left for Black Label Pro. And if you want to watch whatever match he's going to have, which is, I believe, an I Quit match with Jake Parnell, go to independentwrestling.tv, use the promo code STLANARCHY for 20 days free. And that is Cinnamon's Ball you just heard. All right, so what are we here to talk about today? Uh, I believe this is the last podcast we're going to do, so we're here to say goodbye to people. <laughs> NWL. A lot of people seem to be waiting for this one. I wonder why. I don't know. It's not like you had anything to do with any <laughs> of it. Most of the... Well, I can't say that. I was going to say most of the people I interact with on Twitter hated NWL, so I don't know why they'd want to know about it, but that's not necessarily true. Yeah. I liked NWL. Gave me a good payday. Yeah. Me too. So when did you uh, when did you first hear about the NWL? Uh, actually, from you. Oh! <laughs> uh, I think if I remember right, we were trying to get dates or you were trying to get dates for metro pro from chris and he was kind of being dodgy about right. it. right yeah and then uh finally he told you that chances are he that he was going to be like a part of a different wrestling company and you told me about it but kind of as this was going on like chris was asking me a lot of questions about talent like who i thought was good or like you know what i thought about certain people and we would do that. Like, he would ask, because Chris was never, like, a big indie guy. Yeah. So, like, he would ask me about certain names and, like, what I thought of them. And so it wasn't, like, unusual for him to do that, but it seemed like it was happening more. Were they, were they kind of cryptic and weird a bit? <sighs> Not really. It, it, it was just a lot of questions about a lot of different talents. So when you had told me that, I asked him, I go, hey man, like if if there's another wrestling company starting or whatever, if you need any help, I, I'd be happy to help you. I would be happy to leave Anarchy in the dust. <laughs> well, see, that, that, that's the thing. He sends back to me, he goes, well, I didn't know if you would be willing to uh, not do Anarchy. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, it's I, a dream I, come I, true I, for I, you. I don't understand. I didn't get it. And then he had pretty much told me how this guy with a lot of money mm-hmm. was going to start a wrestling company. They were going to start one in Kansas City in St. Louis that he was buying Metro Pro. Yeah. And that in St. Louis, they would either buy a promotion or they would just start a, something new in St. Louis. And this guy was, of course, Ted Turner. Yes, coming back yes, for Vince. Yes, yes. After all these years with a territory promotion. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, that would be major. Baisden. So, I had told, I go, well, I'm not really looking to stop doing Anarchy. I go, but if you're talking about, like, a job job, well, I would definitely be 
you know, interested in it. So I, I think just to be nice, Chris sat up like what was like just like a meet and greet. He told me like this wasn't like an interview. He's like, chances are nothing's gonna happen from yeah. this. But if you know if you want to talk to Major, fine. Yeah. So he sat up a phone inter a phone meet and greet with Major. You got a couple autographs. Paid him twenty five <laughs> bucks. Paid him uh, fifty dollars to come in and meet him early. Hell yeah! Ridiculous. But anyway. Um, so I have this phone conversation with Major and Chris, and again, I don't think I'm in an interview or nothing, so I'm not really like, you know, trying to sell myself. I'm just trying to kind of get information. You know, I'm like, oh, then I'll at least know what's going to be going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, during this phone call, this was like, I guess, the highlight of it. He <laughs> asked me, he goes, so what would, what, what's the difference between you and like the dynamos and the south of Broadways. And I told him, I go, well, uh, I guess the biggest difference would be that I'm good at what I do and they fucking suck at what they do. <laughs> and that, that was like exactly what I said. Which if I was in a formal job interview, I probably wouldn't have worded it like that. Well, you were on you were in the Ted Two triad. <laughs> so uh, and, and I guess just to dive into that a little more, like so people don't think I'm being a complete dick. It it I I don't I just, I believe that when it comes to cultivating talent, like, I mean, everybody has their own opinions on, like, wrestling booker or, like, you know, people that write wrestling. So I'm sure there are people that don't think I'm the greatest at that. And, yeah. you know, that people have it, all their varying differences of opinion. Yeah, one sitting right next to you. <laughs> so, Send him uh, in the dog. Um, but I do believe when it comes to, like, grooming talent, mo- like, like motivating them and making them better. Like I do believe that I am the best at that. And I don't believe that places like South Broadway or Dynamo are good at that. I believe they stifle people's growth that they don't want them to get better and go out and do more because it hampers their promotion. I've seen it firsthand with some of them, but I'm not going to dive much more into it other than that. So I just believe when it comes to working with talent and helping them get better and trying to help them move on into bigger bookings, that I am the best at that. I, I believe that. But And if you're one of those people who disagree, please, as always, feel free to hit us up at Heel Money Jovi. <laughs> Make sure to use as many vulgarities and racial slurs towards <laughs> us as possible. We will respond in, in with kindness and love. <laughs> at Heel Money Jovi. But anyway, so I had said that. This phone interview wraps up, and he's like, well, uh, I'd like to sit down and meet you in person. And I go, oh, okay. So then from there, it started looking like this might be a possibility. By then, Chris has told me, like, eh, you know, it could work out. Because I think what had happened between this time is, like, they wanted Herb Simmons originally. And I'm not here to shit on Herb Simmons. He, he's been in the business for years, and he's r- helped run promotions for years, and he... He was around in the chase days, so he does have a shit ton of, like, experience. Yeah. And he's, like, a suit wearer type guy, where that's not me at all. So no, you're currently in slacks and a t-shirt. <laughs> it's not slacks, it's just sweatpants. Oh, my apologies. So much different. Why would I just be sitting around here in slacks on oh, a random well, Saturday? You know, in California, we call yeah. it slacks. Oh, I sweatpants, see. Or sweatpants oh, slacks. I see. So, well, I mean, on the other end of this, though, I'm talking to you about this, and you're telling me, Brother, everything's fine. I would never sell out to you. You're my family. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. I'll... I'd never betray you. <laughs> We're going to go meet Major. We're going to tell him to fuck off because, you know, 
we're forever, and he's just a fucking shot in the night. I would never leave you. <laughs> yeah, these are all things I'm saying to you while hoping to, like, a thief in the night <laughs> fucking take off. Hello, but, So now we're at the point where we're going to be doing this interview, and if it goes well, we're going to be talking about the selling of Anarchy. So you come with me to this interview. We go to, what, is Applebee's and somewhere in Illinois. Cause, was it Illinois? Yeah, because my interview was the same day that they did like some kind of show at the race. Oh, track. yeah, 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 yeah. So we sit at that Applebee's for a good two hours because they're late. Mm-hmm. Which will be an ongoing theme. <laughs> yeah. In comes Chris Major. I believe Burke was there. Sure. And after sitting there for two hours... This fucking interview lasts, what, five minutes? Yeah, five to ten. He pretty much sits down, orders him a salad, asks if we want anything. We did not. No. I'm uh, waiting for Matt to just tell him off. Yeah, Jake's waiting for me to be like, look, we're never selling anarchy. Go fuck yourself. Uh, So pretty much he asked me if I would be comfortable writing, like, multiple storylines at a time, which obviously I told him I could do that. But you can't. And then he goes... Okay, well, if you're good with Chris, you're good with me. Uh, you're hired. I was like, oh, well, okay, that was quick. I'm in tears at this <laughs> yeah, point. Jake you now betrayed is, me. He's crying. He's left the table. I'm, uh, I'm on my knees. Why, God? Why do you test me? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the anarchy stuff was pretty cut and dry. We just weren't allowed to uh, run shows anymore. Yep. And he would take control of, like, money made off of dvds but all that stuff he never did like well, we he, didn't make money <laughs> he, well no dude like apparently because we've learned this recently smart mark was sending money somewhere yeah so yeah, 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 right, yeah i don't know who was getting that money but the little bit of anarchy dvds that we sold during nwl time I think what they were doing is sending a check to the offices well yeah. those offices haven't been around shit since like four months before NWL closed. So I, I don't know, but like Major never followed up on any of the anarchy stuff. Like they were going to take the ring and move it to Kansas City to put it into the TPC. That never happened. Uh, he never asked for like hard copies of the DVDs or anything like that. So he never had any of the anarchy stuff. So pretty much at the end of the day, we just weren't allowed to run anarchy shows anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe he would have come for the ring after the TPC went off the, like, went, uh, hit off the ring. I doubted that, because yeah. I think once he comes to the final Anarchy show and actually sees the condition of that ring, he just like, yeah, I don't give a shit about this, because they, they had, like, two good rings. That's fair, yeah. So, what do you have next? Because you have notes this time, not me, you uh, fucking nerd. So, so, the next thing in the process, I guess, is, like, the character calls. I mean, I negotiate the contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't too much negotiating i was pretty cool with what they were offering so yeah. after stabbing uh, me in the back well <laughs> the, like okay so like here's something that you know kind of we talked about that we stumbled upon was that you were the last person hired basically yeah like the talent was already hired for uh, the most part yeah the staff was already hired. oh yeah every i was the last one everybody was in place because like when i my contract wasn't due to start until january 1st 2017 but I wanted to be in on these character calls for St. Louis because I wanted to know. I just didn't want to start 
January 1st and not really know any of our characters or anything like that. So I wanted to sit in on these creative calls. Or character calls. Yeah. So, you know, I did. Now, other than the I-70 series, like, he just wanted to make two brands, though, right? Right, yeah. That way he could, like, have wrestlers from brand one. So they'd be exclusive to the brand. The whole deal was going to be city versus city. The I-70 series, there would be points. And whatever city had the most points would host the end of the year, like, big show. Yeah. And that was kind of the deal with that. I, I want to touch real, this will be short, but I know I listened to like Greg's NWL podcast and there was some stuff where he was like, well, we'd have to ask Jackson because I don't really know. So uh, the two things I want to cover real quick is once we got to like Fitchett's wedding, like I had had the job already. So there was no doubt at that point that this was going to happen. Like Herb Simmons had turned it down and like I... I verbally agreed to join that company at that Applebee's, which was like right before Fitch's wedding. So that was in August. Yeah. Um, I got a pretty sweet bonus too. <laughs> the second thing is, uh, well, shit, I forgot the second thing. Um, I guess we'll come back to it. But I wanted to be on these character calls just because I wanted to know what the hell I was walking into. And I that, that was pretty much it. I didn't want to start... Because originally I was only going to be doing St. Louis. Yeah. That was it. So I wanted to at least be on the St. Louis character calls. Uh, all the full-time guys, that was the second point. All the full-time guys, like wrestlers, had already had their character calls when I started. And there was a few talents, like part-timers. Like I wasn't on Vega's character call. Uh, I was on Fitchett's, not Vega's. And that's when I had learned from Vega, like, hey, man... They're pitching some like crazy fucking ideas to where he's like, I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, he's like, they want to call, they wanted to call me Davy Cardinal and call Fitchett Matt Blue because St. Louis is a big sports city and they thought that, you know, that would be good. Well, didn't they also want to call instead of Letterman, they wanted to call him Todd Rams? That I, I don't have, know. That would not have lasted. I, I don't know. Um, and then like, you know, Letterman had told me that he wasn't really very happy with his character. So I wanted to get on these calls because a lot of these St. Louis guys had agreed to do this partly because I was involved. Um, now, I'm sure the good pay was a big part of it, too. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> but, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, I wanted to get on these calls so I could weigh in where I needed to. So I started on some character calls. At first, I was just on the St. Louis character calls, but then Major wanted me on all of the character calls. Which is a sign of things to come. Yeah. Uh, So, like, were there any character calls that went really badly? Like, people who just had no ideas, but wanted you to have ideas. Uh, Get to the wolves. (laughs) Yeah. The Diamond Dogs or KC Wolves or what they were known back then, their call did not go well. Um, other than them though, I, I mean, these calls were pretty, you know, like the talent came up with their own shit. So we didn't have all these ready-made characters for people to do. They had ideas and we just kind of all played off each other. And, and like the longest part of the process with all of these was picking a name. So yeah. the rest of it was all pretty easy. 
Uh, the Diamond Dogs character call was bad. Um, pretty much what that was is we wanted, I think, and, and, and I don't like the, so I guess I think sometimes people get mad because we don't go into like extreme detail. Yeah. But sometimes I don't remember all the little detail. <laughs> so I would rather not than, than misspeak. But from, so what I remember of their character calls, we want them to be gun enthusiasts. Um, they didn't want to do that, which, which confused me because uh, one of them brings a bazooka to the ring. So <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, so at one point during this character call, we we say something like, "Well, we could call you this," and uh, the, the phone's quiet for a minute. Or and one of them says, well, "I think we can do better than that." Then it's just silence. And finally, Chris goes, "Well, I'm waiting." And like, what? And he's like, "Well, I mean, if you're gonna turn down every little thing we have, like, I imagine you have some ideas yourself, right?" And they didn't. <laughs> and Chris is always to the point. Yeah, and that was so their, you know, their call went bad, but you know, it's whatever. You'll see them in anarchy now. Yo, we can break a little bit of news on this podcast. Oh, Fuck shit. it. So can in we? March, uh, the the Left Coast Gorillas won't be there. <gasps> uh, this is not going to work out for that show. So we're going to be replacing them with the Diamond Dogs. So Luke Langley, Graham Bell will face the Hooligans now on March twenty third. All right. Think it'll be a really good match. Like those guys have, you know, they they've improved a ton for you know. So yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, and with that, we'll take a quick break. Listen, you cocksucker, you don't ever surprise <laughs> shit like that on me. And we're back. Yeah, we don't get along. <laughs> yeah, there was huge heat between us after <laughs> Applebee's. I'm crying. I'm like, how am I gonna do this? I can't. And you're like, well, take me home now. <laughs> I drove you home. It's a very awkward ride. Yeah. Now, okay, but to that said, not everyone had 100% say in their characters. There were some templates that were in place. Like, they already knew what, like, the character they wanted for Buddy Shepard. Right. I'll just say for me. They had, like, this idea, and then I got my input in on it, which was basically everything I wanted. Right. And then, so there were, were there any, like, main templates for part-timers that you really saw? Like not, for Buddy Shepard? Not, I mean, for Buddy, yeah. Um, I, I think they had more template-type things for full-time guys. Okay. Like with Todd Letterman, they wanted that particular character, I think. I, like I said, I wasn't on his creative call, so okay. I can't say. But Were I, you I'm on per- any full-time creative calls? No. Okay. No, yeah, I was. Mavericks. I okay. was on Mavericks. That's it. How'd uh, that go? Fine. It was good. Yeah. Uh but it, with him, like they had like a outline of what they kind of wanted. Okay. Um, but the part timers had a way easier go of it as far as characters. Uh, the name changes um, people want to hear about. I mean, that's a pretty simple deal. You know, this wasn't created to be an indie. Like this was created to be something really big. So major wanted to have full control of the merchandise and the name rights and that's why everybody had custom music and all that shit like major paid for all that merchandise to be made so he wanted to have full control over that yeah he didn't want to split anything with him investing all this money so that's why uh guys like strider and jeremy wyatt they got to keep their names it's because they signed releases that we could make merchandise and they wouldn't get a cut of that that we could make money off their name and they wouldn't get a cut of it 
They signed paperwork to agree to that, so they got to keep their name. Anybody else could have gotten that same deal, too. But for guys that travel more, that's a bad idea for them because then Major could technically come after their merchandise money from anywhere if they if he wanted to. So that's why the name changes happen. But even, guys came up with their own names, so that even, too, was... Uh, you know, not something forced. Like, we didn't say, you're going to be called this. Like, they came up with their names. And in the end, they agreed. Davey Cardinal, Matt Fitchett, or Matt uh, Matt Blues. <laughs> yeah. Some funny stuff, though, was, like, during one of the initial KC shows, fucking Chris is on commentary and blatantly calls uh, Matthew Grundy Fitchett. So, I, I thought that was funny. So, all right, let's take a quick break, save everything, and then we'll come right back. Now that we're back, I think it's a good point to tell you that there probably isn't going to be, a, like, unless something catastrophic or Major Bazden happens, we're going <laughs> to not have a moment in wrestling or food for thought no, for these individuals. Yeah. Um, one of the things also I wanted to touch on was uh, contracts for the part-time guys. Uh, there was two different sets with two different rules. Uh, the two different rules were the different pay Um I was on the lower end because I wasn't thought of as a top guy and that I wouldn't get over for shit. And uh, That was never said. Yeah, it was. You're lying. <laughs> Don't lie to me. You betrayed me already. Uh, and then there was like dates promised. Yeah. And that was kind of a big thing for a lot of guys because like <clears throat> it was weird because a lot of guys at first were like, oh, I don't want to give up X number of days because there were two date sets. There was like a smaller date set and then there was like a bigger date set because... Well, right, there the- was the every show, like there was a 26 dates, which was every show pretty much. And then there was like... Then other ones varied, some 16, yeah. some 13. Like, and, and, and honestly, I think that was a bad idea because then what happens is you have some of these... Because at the end of the day, these part-time contracts were all like... Like contracts where it blatantly says in there they can be terminated at any time. Mm. So, well, it also and it also has two different uh, phases to kind of the hypocrisy of this for some people. Is phase one is people like, oh, I don't want to give away certain dates. Like mm-hmm. people were worried like they'd call me on a Thursday. I'd be I'd have to be yeah, there and miss have, my bookings. Or, or, or their shoot job that we would just be able to say. Nope, you have to be here now. You have a contract. Yeah. Which wasn't the case. No. But then the other side of that coin is if a talent just didn't work out and we were going to be like, well, we're not going to be able to use them for 16 shows. Then you would have that person be like, well, I got 12 more guaranteed bookings on my contract. And it's like, well, yeah, but these aren't like fucking... WWE type contracts, they can just, it says blatantly in the contract it can be terminated at any time, so we're going to terminate it. And then it's over. So I kind of like that, I think, was just major wanting us to be real big when really all we need, we, we really shouldn't have even done contracts for part time people. It should have just been, hey, we're going to book you on this date, just like you would any other fucking talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I think the only contract thing it needed to be, you can't use this character anywhere but NWO. Yeah. But I don't Putting in dates and that, I, I think that was a bad idea. Which we saw when this starts moving along and mm. some guys who we thought we were going to use 12, 16 times, we don't. You use one to no times. Right. 
So moving right along. What's next on your notes, buddy? Oh, so I, I got a dog in my face. I can't be Jan- January first is, I guess, when the contract kicks in. So that's kind of when I start, you know, working for them. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, you know, for me, it was pretty good because I didn't have to move. Because again, I was just doing St. Louis, but I did have to be a part of like the uh, daily fucking phone calls. So we would like Mondays. Mondays would consider like every day we'd have to call in at eleven o'clock for like a fucking company wide meeting where everybody would talk about what they're what they've been doing or what they're doing. Uh, then like later on in the day would be like a fucking marketing call. Then Tuesday would be creative, and then Wednesday would be at the beginning. Wednesday would be like a walk through of the show where we would. Uh, assign referees, assign agents, stuff like that. Then Thursday we'd have the show, and we're just talking about St. Louis for right, right. now. Remember, we'll get well, to this. Well, this is pretty much the layout of the whole week anyway. Okay. So oh, okay. Thursday we'd have the show. Then Friday would be either we'd be off or there would be just a couple fucking calls. Now for me, that's my workday. Now these guys that live there would have to go into the office and. Mm-hmm. Do their thing, but I'm just talking about my typical week. Yeah. Um. So at first, m- my job was fairly easy. I mean, I would book St. Louis, send it to Chris, and then I just kind of sit on the phone. Uh, I'd have to go do like as this moves along, I have to start doing street teams. Yeah, I was about to say we. Can so get then I start having to go out like fucking. Three times a week, I'm going to fucking bars and stuff, like, promoting with, with some of the full-timers, and then, like, you would come out. Yeah. Uh, so As Buddy, like, I didn't right. get to just be me. I had to be there. <laughs> and I didn't have my white suit yet, so I had that yellow suit. So there's and a lot of pictures and, of me in that yellow suit. Yeah, and they were doing that in Kansas City, too. So, again, they had it harder than me there, especially at the beginning, because... They're having to work in the office all day, then go do these street teams where I'm booking St. Louis, but then I'm just kind of on these phone calls. So, you know, it wasn't as bad for me at first. Yeah. Um, But that was like the typical week. So then if it was like a Kansas City week, it would be the same, except Thursday there would be, you know, some calls, like social media calls or whatever. Then Friday would be the walkthrough where we assign the agents and all of that. These things kind of change as we go. Like eventually the 11 o'clock every day call gets taken away. And then there's some other calls added here and there. And then creative turns into like a way longer process. But it's just, you know, me and Chris. and Who's on creative at the beginning? At the very beginning, it was me, Major, me, Major, Chris... Strider would be in the room, Derek Stone would be in the room, and then Travis. Actually, no, that's not true. At the very beginning, it was just, it was me, Chris, Major, Travis. But Travis don't last long. I mean, I I believe Travis is fired by February 1st. So then creative becomes me, Chris, Major, Strider's in the room, Derek's in the room. Um, That lasts a bit. And then eventually Derek's not in the room anymore, and it's just me, Chris, Major, Strider. And that pretty much ends up being how it stays through the whole entire run. Um, things start changing 
but we'll get into that later. But so for the very first part, that's what creative is. Me, Chris, Major, Strider, and Derek in the room. I mean, after that, I mean, that, that's your typical week. And then we roll into the first St. Louis show. Um, had you seen the giant screen beforehand? No, I didn't see that. Did you even so, know it was a thing? I knew it. Okay. I knew we had a big fucking... Jumbotron? Jumbo in NFL-type Tron, but I seen it on the first show. I mean, the setup for the first show was, was awesome. Um, we drew, like, 400 fucking people. Uh, and it, for me, it was cool, because, I mean, I got the... I mean, I was pretty much in charge of the locker room. We had those neat little earpieces. And we're talking <laughs> about the Casaloma days? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and that was fine. I mean, it was a pretty... We had it set up where I would be stationed down in Gorilla, and then Strider would be upstairs, or Derek, yeah. I think Derek or Strider would be upstairs. I think Derek it. was upstairs, because I remember we would talk during shows like about like what was going on. To send the person downstairs, yeah. and we had a nice little setup there. First show draws well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an anarchy chant during it, which I thought was funny. Um, but I think that was pretty much the first and last show that a lot of Anarchy fans came out to. I mean, I thought the show was fine, but it wasn't an Anarchy show. I mean, I, I think that that's kind of where a lot of the fans got lost with this. Like, why they didn't like it is because at the last Anarchy show, Major is pretty much saying... This is going to be the same as Anarchy. Like, Matt's still going to be in charge. It's just going to be a little different, but it's going to pretty much be the same. And it, it really wasn't. I mean, the show... No, it wasn't. The show has a fucking Major Bazden 20-minute promo PowerPoint presentation on it. No black curtains and duct tape. <laughs> the besties are in the main, but Gary's kind of just on the middle of the card. He has a good match. I think he works Christian Adonis on the first show. Yeah. No, we don't. He worked Coco Rumble on the first show. And yeah, it wasn't that good. So Gary's in there doing comedy and shit. Which, not that Gary won't do comedy, but in Anarchy, Gary's an 800-plus day champion. He's, he's like a, a fighter. He, yeah, he's the top guy. And now he's losing to Coco Rumble in a comedy match. Because he's drunk. So those fans, the Anarchy fans, are looking at that being like, well, what the fuck? This isn't Anarchy at all. Well, let's break off real quick. Who's? How did Major get at to the last... How did Major come around to coming to the last Anarchy show? But he was always going to come to it. Okay. So he he was always going to come to the show. I was hoping he didn't try to like take over any of the creative. We would have had a big problem because <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have allowed it because Anarchy was Anarchy and I wasn't going to allow... I conceded on the fucking thing at the end. I didn't even want to really do that, but I, I didn't feel like that. That, to me, didn't like solely the product because the show was over. I mean, the main yeah. event bell had rung. So I was fine with that, but um, he was always coming. And then, but they show what's so funny. I made fun of him about this, like, even before I probably should have. Like, they fucking show up in that RV. Yeah. And I was like, you guys need to take a fucking RV for a four-hour drive? I, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it It's funny because if you look at it, a lot of shit with Anarchy... We never really had t-shirts. We struggled to get any kind of merchandise. But people walk into the last Anarchy show and there's fucking 200 and whatever free just t-shirts laying on the fucking seats. Free bumper stickers and shit just laying there. So like even... 
And I can understand to a point where an anarchy fan would look at that and go, well, this is an anarchy. Yeah. Because part of anarchy is the struggle. Like, and it's still, it's what we do today. We don't have a fucking backer. We don't have just somebody funneling money in so we can do neat shit. Mm-hmm. It, it's just me. And, and back then in the before days, it was pretty much just you. Yeah. And that's, we lived and died off of that. So for an anarchy, died. for an anarchy fan to come in and see all this free shit, and it's like, well, fuck, like this is an anarchy. Yeah. But what did Major think of the show? Did he even? T- uh, did he ever tell you? No, nah, he never told me. I've heard from other people that he didn't like it, but he still preferred like SICW South Broadway type wrestling than what he saw at Anarchy. Uh, he obviously liked some of the performers because, like, Mike Outlaw got a contract based off his match with KLD at that show. And, you know, he always liked Kevin, obviously. And I remember he commented that he he liked Gary. But, you know, no, nah, I don't think he really liked it. It was, wasn't his style of wrestling. Yeah. So, yeah. Where are we at? The first the STL first event? show, yeah. I thought it was good. I thought it was a pretty good show. I was really happy with the big draw. And, and it looked like, oh shit, like this might really work. Because I, I think there, were, there was over 400 people at that first event. Now, uh, were any of them local naysayers just to be there? Or local wrestlers? Who... Well, I mean, you had some local people that showed up to try to get on. I don't really remember all of them. But, yeah. nah, I don't, don't know. Okay. I don't think anybody showed up. I don't know. I don't remember. The only person I remember, honestly, that it didn't go well for was Ron Powers. Ron Powers. Well, yeah, but that was way later on. Well, yeah, but he's the only, like, we're not going to cover every fucking end of Russia. Yeah. Well, oh, so local naysayers in general. I mean, yeah, you had a few that would come around and try to get on, but I was able to stop that from happening. So, except Ron Powers, somehow he got in there and he was there one time, did commentary. It was so bad they had to re-record it at the office. I don't understand how that... But I think that happens because Major doesn't know anybody. Yeah. So when someone like a Ron Power says, Oh, I worked for WWE and been around 30 fucking 40 years. I'm a top person. I know what I'm talking about. Well, how does Major know he's lying? I mean, he doesn't. I think once that happened and he saw that, then he would start asking me more. Like, hey, have you ever heard of this guy? What do you think? And then, of course, you would have people that would try to go above me and Chris and go right to Major because he's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So they would go right to him to try to get booked. And that never worked because then he would just come to me and Chris. <laughs> so, but we didn't have, I mean, we pretty much had a pretty set roster on both sides when this started. And then even when things start to change, it was more taking the best guys on each roster and combining them. So there wasn't a whole lot of like, flex as far as local people go with new talent if you really look at it it was pretty much the same people from the start to the finish except a lot of people got weeded out but there weren't very many people added in if you look at the rosters now how much did your prejudices towards local talent play in keeping and gatekeeping some of these people from nwl <laughs> not a lot i mean let's see i'm trying to think of some people that might uh I mean, I've always been cool with Durden, but I didn't use him in Anarchy because he was... Except for twice. He was like a dynamo guy, but we got along fine. I mean, I... Unless if you really do something to try, like, to really piss me off or attack us, like, I don't really hold wrestling shit against people when the, like... Like, now with NWL, like, how the fucking Diamond Dogs call went so bad. 
I don't hold that against them now. NWL is over with. It's, it is what it is. And that's kind of how this was. Like, well, NWL then, because they would show up a lot in NWL. Right. So, like, it was just like, you know, if Sean Vincent wants to shit on us or Anarchy, but, you know, if he would have worked out for NWL or anybody else, then by all means. But, no, I wouldn't say I didn't keep anybody out just because I didn't like them. I keep them out of anarchy because I just don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, I, I do look at Me and Chris had this conversation. This is a fun little side. When NWL was done and over, he was like, man, he goes, I don't want to bring back Metro because I don't want to have to deal with some of these fucking people that I don't like. And I was like, well, Chris, the beauty of running your own promotion on an independent level, just don't book them. Like, you're not making enough money here to deal with fucking people you don't like. Just tell them no. <laughs> I, I just thought that was funny. Because we would have to sometimes deal with people in NWL that we didn't necessarily like. Like Bruce. I liked Bruce. Oh. <laughs> didn't last long. I didn't quite understand why he was ever hired, but I liked him as a person. Barbecue with him. Yeah. So, yeah, first STL event went well. Uh, I probably should have talked about the first KC event because KC was first. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I I originally I wasn't going to have to go to the Kansas City events, but that fucking changed in a big way. Oh yeah. Uh, the first one they wanted me to be there so I could, I guess, shadow somebody and I could see how they want things to be run, which that's fine. Yeah, I mean, so that's why I show up to this. <laughs> but it turns into me like agenting and producing most of this show. Does and anybody it, come with you? Yeah, you're there. Oh, I'm Buddy there. Buddy Shepard is with no, you. No, not Buddy Shepard. Uh, uh, whatever that mass character's name was, because I'm actually on the first KC <laughs> yeah, show. Well, the very first show, we have a guy fucking no call, no yeah, show. no call, no show on the very first event. And so I have to go to like five different people and get pieces of gear. And then I wrestle Wyatt on the first show, and he whoops my ass. Yeah. Unsafe Jeremy Wyatt. Unprofessional. <laughs> beats me up. He's like, I don't know this masked luchador <laughs> taking liberties in there with me. <laughs> no, yeah. I actually do, I, I do have to wrestle Jeremy Wyatt in the first match. Yeah, I had a guy not show up. Can't remember his name now. But, but he had a name. He had music. He had like yeah. shit made for yeah. him. I just didn't fit in any of it because I'm a fat sack of shit. Me and Vader. But he, oh, Vader is not alive anymore. Um, yeah, so like the first KC show, I end up really helping out. And I felt like I somewhat showed some worth during that one. Because I felt like these early days were me just trying to show like, hey, I was hired for a reason. Because I was only hired because of Chris. So I had no fucking real like legs to stand on here. Because Chris liked me. 90% of the Kansas City roster I had never worked with before. Like Chad Barstow? Right. Dak Draper? Right. Maverick? Right. Maverick. I mean, I had met Maverick one time. Uh, the Regal Twins I had met one time. Where? I don't remember. Oh, Joey, Joey Grunge. Grunge. Yeah, it's a fun little You thing. can work in your streets. That's where me, you, and Gary show up. He's like, we want you to do a triple threat. I'm like, well, Joey, me and Evan only brought matching gear because we're a tag team. Well... One of you can just work in your streets, meaning street clothes. I was like, you're fucking insane. And thus, Gene Ambrose was born. <laughs> no, we worked the triple threat. In matching gear. And me and gear. he were matching yeah, yeah. gear. <laughs> we were too professional to wear just jeans. Also, I don't want to rip my jeans there. And I only brought the one pair of jeans. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not going to wear my gear home. <laughs> so, um, I kind of show some worth in the KC show. Uh, and I wanted to be at these shows. So that, But after that first one, and I think once they all seen how big of a production this was going to be, then it was I had to be at every show. So I, then I had to come to the Kansas City shows. Yeah. I think, obviously, as a member of this company, but also your friend, I also wanted to go to these shows to just kind of support and help in any way I could. Like, yeah. I'm no local leader or anything, but... <laughs> Like, yeah, it's nice to be able to, like, help out. Like, you know, I, I was basically, I could run if need be. Right. Um, also, they had people who'd give massages there. The Regal's moms would cater. It was the... Ba- the, the, so, the catering yeah. there was... Well, the Regal's mom didn't start catering. I don't think she catered at the beginning. Did she? No. The, because she... When they cut catering... Yes. Because there was catering. There was catering in St. Louis and Kansas City. And both were good catering. Yeah. But what happens is catering gets cut as we move on. And because Chris was big on wanting to cut catering, which I agreed with him on. Don't like, get me wrong. I was like, Fuck look, you. Look, man, these mother, you, you fucking wrestlers, you wrestlers. <laughs> look, when we were wrestling, we would go to fucking Subway and grab something on the way. Now, all of a sudden, just because fucking a guy's got money, it's, oh, they should provide catering for us. Fuck that. You can go get something on the way. I'll have you remember that. Tennis show show <laughs> Tennessee show we did, they had well, catering. That was there. Gary's bullshit. Gary Gary tells us, Hey man, uh, we're gonna take a little bit of a discount with this place because they're gonna provide catering. So we're already going to Tennessee because Deborah's daughter's living there at the time, so we figure we'll visit her and we'll actually get fucking gas covered and get paid to do it. We show up to this fucking play. I'm like, okay, Gary, where's the catering? Oh, it's just corn chips. You gotta be fucking kidding me. But it's it not was. like it's not like we raised hell or like, oh, we need to have fucking catering. But all of a sudden, NWL starts. It's they're cutting the catering. Man, this fucking place. It's like fuck you. There's not a place you work. <laughs> At that time, Elgin had started Glory Pro. Did he have fucking gourmet chicken laid out? No. No, he had B-dubs brought in right? every show. <laughs> Gay little wings for everybody. Like, come on, man. Like, and people... But yeah, at first we had catering. But when we cut catering, that's when the Regal's mom started making stuff. And it was like a trade. She agreed to do that for so many tickets or whatever. It's not my fault that none of the boys in St. Louis's mom was willing to make some food for some tickets. So, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, I had to start going to every Kansas City show. Um, and me alongside you most of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then old... Uh, I want to give credit, though, to uh, Matt Murphy. He would come on those early days. Yeah, oh, yeah he would. Uh, he was We'd try- ride with him, yeah, too. I or? think he was trying... He, I, I know he was trying to get a job. And he did... I, I think it's just... At that time, it was we were hired up, and they just weren't going to hire anybody else. But he he was cool to travel with, and did like he was a big help at the shows. Yeah, I like Matt. Yeah. If I like him, he's still alive. Yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> Speaking of dead, this segment is is dead. We'll be right back. So let's talk that Casa Loma building. It was neat. Oh, it was I really just nice. I hated going up two flights yeah, of stairs the, the, to set the that setup, up. The setup was shitty. The day of the week was shitty, which, you know, that was a big thing, too, that people were upset about at the start was the fact that we were doing Thursdays. But Casa Loma wouldn't give us Fridays or Saturdays every other week. And then... 
was the decision was the decision not to do Sundays something you had a part of? No, I, or was the, that already day, day of the week and all, the, like ticket prices, day of the week, all stuff that I had no hmm. say. I wasn't a part of those car. I learned about it when it was put online, like everybody else. Uh, <laughs> the day of the week, though, I didn't think the day of the week would be that big of a deal. Uh, yeah, because I felt like with the amount of money that he had to promote, like that people would come out. People go to hockey games and baseball games on weekdays. So I didn't think it would be that big of a deal. And I I don't think that it was a real factor because when we eventually moved to Sundays, the draws pretty much stay the same in Casa mm-hmm. Loma. But um, I think the ticket prices is what killed it for that because, look, man, $40 for a front row seat every other week is a pretty big commitment, and and, and I, I just eighty bucks a month. Yeah, people can't afford, and that's just if you're just you. Yeah, that don't take into account if your wife or want to bring your kid or whatever. And we we eventually do the fucking season ticket or whatever we what I don't remember what we called it now, but Fight Club, Fight Club, Fight yeah. Club. So that ends up becoming a thing where you can get a cheaper ticket, and then like there was always a base like cheap ticket you could get, but I do think the ticket prices played a big part in St. Louis. In Kansas City, not so much. People were coming out, and they were paying that price, and it wasn't as big of a deal. But in St. Louis, I, it was. and um, We understand it. It just didn't work. So I, I think we were, for Costello, we are almost doomed from the start, I think, because of the ticket price. And, and I think that when you boil it all down, that's why it didn't work in St. Louis was because of that ticket price, not so much because of anything else. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Like I, I thought the tickets were high, but like the as someone who used to deal with venues and understands how much they cost, like I know how much. Like I, I can only imagine that the Castellum was definitely over a grand. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so like I think it was sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah, every other week. So that's thirty two hundred dollars a month again. That's so you, that's just venue. That's yeah. not paying. A higher rate for a lot of wrestlers. Like wrestlers are getting paid well, so you have to have that high ticket price to survive. But that's like going back in though to the whole structure of the business. He didn't have to pay guys that well. No. It could have been, you know. Well, and for full time guys, he offered insurance. Right. Uh, yeah. That's a whole other cost. Game. That's a whole other ball game. And I, I don't. I hate. I know it sounds bad to say to be like, well, you could have paid so-and-so less money. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm not saying wrestlers should make more money, but what I'm saying is if, if you're hoping to survive every other week, if 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 a base pay is $100 and you say, we're gonna, we can only pay you fucking 50 or 60 but you're going to get that every other week and it's a local show, that's still pretty good money. Well, also add in, not only that, we're going to make you gear, we're going right. to make you boots, well, we're going to make you entrance yeah, gear. That like, was a big thing, too. Everything, like... Because in the beginning, everything you asked for, it would just show up within a week or two. Right. Except for my cape. That took too long. It was bad. A matter of fact, I I don't want to say specific dollar let's, amounts. Let's talk specific dollar amounts just for this one thing. Uh, there, all right, fine. There was a $20,000 budget given for ring gear. And it probably went like 20, 25. No, 60 grand. So. 60 fucking grand? Yeah, went 40 grand over. Jesus. So those are... And look... I, I, you know, you don't have to buy gear for the the, the part time guys shouldn't have had gear bought for them. It, Fuck I, you. That that it was just 
like they paid two grand for the fucking Kansas City ring announcer suit that he ends up getting fired and, and they don't get the suit back. How many wrestlers quit at the beginning or that we stopped using that have fucking good boots that they wear that were bought by the company? So I don't want to say part-timers shouldn't have got their gear made, but not at first. It should have been a situation where we go, let's see where we are in three months and see what the rosters really look like. And then those guys we buy gear for. Why, like a fucking, why buy a two, three hundred dollar fucking karate gi for a guy we legitimately used one time. He had two gis. We only yeah. booked him once. Um, there was I like Jackie. There was off. another guy. Uh, I can't remember his name, but Dominic Butler. Dominic, Dominic Butler. We booked him two, three times. He had like four pairs of gear. Uh, his first pair, he's like, I don't really like this color. It, they made him a whole nother pair of gear. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that. those are the things that shouldn't have happened. It should have been a process where, maybe not even three months, maybe fucking... Six months. 90, like, like fucking 90 days or something, where mm-hmm. it's like, who, who are we going to be using here more and more? And we will buy their gear. And everybody else, we can just let them wear what they wear, and that's what we should. That's what should have happened. I mean, yeah, forty grand over on the gear budget. Got those sweet Blood Brothers jean jackets. Those were cool, and we use Vega Fitchin a lot, though. So like, those made more sense than like what you just said. Other people, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think those are mistakes that were made pretty early on. That cost us in the end, honestly. Yeah. All these mistakes that are made in this beginning part is what kills us at the end. Well, it's the full salary of this. To me, it's to me. Uh, uh, we'll get to this because we're going to do like a wrap up thing in your notes. Yeah. Sixteen fucking full time employees when this thing starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not all, and like some of them are just wrestlers who just right. get paid to wrestle. Right. Some are staff members who have no previous wrestling well, experience. Well, yeah, a lot of them are. There are people that Major brought from other businesses that he did. And they're all good people, and they all were hard workers. Like, Marcy was a very hard worker. Oh, yeah. And I, I liked her a lot. Mm-hmm. But, when, but like, when you're starting a wrestling company and you're hoping not to lose a shit ton of money, like, to bring someone... Like, I think she could have been there, but then you shouldn't have hired some of the other people, maybe. But there were a lot of people that were just office workers, and then there were people who were, were wrestlers, and they just wrestled and worked out and, tra- and trained. Um. Yeah, so all that stuff is is ultimately why this fails at the end. But um, the Casaloma days overall, I mean, they were what they were. I, I thought those shows were decent. Uh, there were some standout things like Cannon Vega. Both of the Kyle Vega matches were really good. Murder's Heat like, like, was always... Yeah, Murder had some good shit there. Mm-hmm. You know, the title tournament was pretty good. Yeah, let's talk about like like a uh, shit like that. Like... Um... So, like, the title tournament, the 70s series, um, Gary being a drunk with the Marcellus Gaines story. Yeah, that was... Uh, Coco Rumble's Fall from Grace. The return <laughs> of Dorian Victor. The yeah. The Billion Dollar Brother. And that was cool. Like, I, 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 you know, Dorian had been out of it for a while, and I fought for Dorian to get hired. What a mistake that was. <laughs> He'll never listen. <laughs> I know he listens. Because uh, I've always felt that Dorian had tons of potential. If Dorian oh, yeah. makes a different decision eight years ago, he's probably signed. I mean, he, he did the Harley race tryout that went well for him. Mm-hmm. And 
But, you know, he's started a family and he's really happy. What a mistake uh, that was, Dorian. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> but, you know, I always felt Dorian had a shit ton of potential. So when this came up, I was like, I really wanted to get him, you know, make him involved. Yeah. And they they hired him and. You know, that table thing happens early on where the table spot gets fucked up. Well, Major was pissed about that. And now Dorian hasn't even wrestled yet. This is the first thing that happens. So they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I keep on saying, like, trust me, this dude's good. Just fucking wait. Wait, right. Like, he, one fuck up doesn't spell the end of a guy. And they didn't have, and it's probably the first time he's hearing any of this if he's listening to this. He's not. They didn't have any confidence in him when it came to wrestling. They were like, fuck, man, this is going to be bad. And I'm like, no, no, it won't. This will be good. And you just, you know, one of the things that I do think that maybe me and Chris butted heads on a little bit is I... You can make a mistake working for me. You just can't make the same mis- stupid mistake multiple times. Mm. Where Chris was more like, if you fucked up, like he lost confidence in you and you had to work your ass off to gain that trust back. And when that table spot got fucked up, they, they were like, oh, fuck. Like, what's this going to be like? But once he started having matches, then they saw it and they were like, okay. Yeah, he's good. I even remember, I can't remember who he worked in his first match back. I don't think it was Fitchett. I think Fitchett was later. Yeah, right? I don't remember. Maybe Dorian it was Fitchett. Tweeted us. But he had his first match, and it went went well. Went went pretty well. And uh, Major was like, okay, yeah, you were right. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I know talent. And I fucking worked with Dorian a lot and I made sure to never lose my confidence because I knew what he could do when he was right. And he did I thought his run was great. He ends up getting hurt after the Casa Loma days and Then you fired him without telling him. <laughs> that's kinda of, that's kind of the end of that you know, the NWL run. But he had a lot of good shit at Casa Loma and I was happy that he he was able to do that because you know there was some shit that was gonna eventually happen in Anarchy that wasn't able to happen because the company leaves. So I was happy that he was able to get the fucking do that. Um, so he was definitely a bright spot of the Casa Loma days. The character was great. Um, I thought that we could have. I, I thought he should have been brought to TV, uh, but I, I say he ends up getting hurt. But to me, something like somebody like Dorian is like, and we're just gonna keep sucking his dick here for a little bit longer. Is like he could have been like just a manager role too, like. Like this really rich guy who just brings in people because he he's a champion maker like almost right. like I, I don't want to say like Drew Gold but like I don't know like the way in my head this it'll make sense where like he's a franchise owner whereas right. Drew Gold is a like one or two guy promoter right no it makes sense okay um, then you had you had the Marcellus Gary story which I think would have been good uh, you know if. By this time, most of the Anarchy fans, I think, had stopped coming. Mm. But as, like, a Gary fan, I could see where you hated it. Because, I mean, you would come... There were, like, two shows you would come to that Gary lost in under a minute. Because the story was that he would come out drunk. Uh, eventually, this was going to lead to a big blow-off uh, where I had had to fought Chris. But, you know, we, we get into this a little bit. Like, Chris always 
thought Gary was a good worker, but he didn't see Gary as a top guy like I did. He'd even tell me that back in Anarchy, where he'd be like, you know, I think he's good, but man, I don't see how you kept your belt on him 800 days or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. He didn't see Gary like as a top guy. So when we're putting together this Marcellus story, we get to the blow-off, and he's telling me, like, I'm not sure Gary should win the blow-off. And I'm like, what? I go, he has to. Because he's he seen Marcellus as the guy, not Gary. So he kind of thought, like, Gary should have beaten the alcohol stuff, had a hell of a showing, but ultimately lose to Marcellus. And I was like, no, man, I don't think we can do that. And we never, this ends up never happening because Casa Loma, you know, goes away. So the story never pays off. But, you know, eventually, I don't know if we'll end up touching on this later. I mean, we probably will. But eventually Chris comes around on Gary in a big way and he does see it. But this is just like at first. Hmm. Uh, but that would have been a fun story. Uh, but wasn't able to pay off. Now the title tournament is another story. That how much did you have a hand in at first versus later? No, I didn't have anything. I, I that was one of the creative calls at the beginning where we were on them, and I kind of felt like, oh shit, like I need to start speaking up or doing something because we do the very first fucking call to do the tournament, and they just lay out the whole tournament, and I really had no say in it. I so, was kind of sitting there. Uh, so. Yeah, I think the only say I had in it was that Vega was in it. Like, because it was a deal where it was either going to be someone else or Vega. Can't remember to someone else. And I was like, I, it should be Vega because it's in St. Louis and Vega is a big name here. And then I think, like, Chris was like, well, plus he was the last Anarchy champion, so putting him in it would make sense. And he goes down the first round. Yeah. Well, him, him and Gary both lost to Cornell. Yeah. Which is an uh, which is a which is a person you didn't use, but we knew from AWE. And well, he was great. Oh yeah, Mur- uh, uh, murder is just fucking amazing. Like he, as he, this character. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I, I I was super sad. Like I think we I talked about it in the Buddy Shepherd thing, but like I really wanted that storyline to be where I eventually would join him. Yeah, he he fucking killed it as that character mm-hmm. in the ring. He killed it. His he promos a different good. style. Yeah. yeah, I really like murder. Like I. I you know, I thought he did fantastic in his role. He was probably, I mean, I loved the Buddy Shepard character. I loved the Emmett Dubois character. I loved the fucking Cornell Douglas character. Like, those are in Drew Gold stuff. Like, that's what sucks, like, that a lot of people didn't come out. Because, like, a lot of these characters are really fucking good characters. And especially Cornell Douglas. That was a really good fucking character. Yeah. Um... I think if St. Louis could have gotten TV, I think he would have taken off really well. Yeah. Like, well, uh, yeah. so many. Yeah, he would have. Because uh, he shows up at, uh, for TV Kansas one time, or is that just once. a show? No, yeah. he always showed up. He was in Kansas City once for TV. Yeah, and I thought he had a great showing there. Yeah. So, Murder, you'll never listen to this, but we love you. Yeah, he, he did great. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of things may have been different if we could have got TV in St. Louis. It just was never able to happen. A lot of it was because Ring of Honor airs here. so And they're, they're by Sinclair. And Sinclair basically put a band. Like, not a band, but, like, I mean, it makes financial sense, again, like, right. not having another promotion. And eventually, they, like, they, they bought, like, two more. They bought two more channels, and that's what made it hard. Right. Um, 
That's it, really. That's yeah. But Kansas City got TV real quick, didn't they? Yeah, but Chris had connections with Kansas City TV. Yeah, so he was able to do that. Yeah, we had TV in Kansas City pretty fucking fast. I mean, but Major fought for St. Louis TV. Like it's he didn't just roll over and die. No, he he did. He tried. And, and I think that's something that maybe not people give him credit for, but they should. Well, like, they don't give him credit for anything. But I mean, <laughs> they all hate him. But it's because he didn't know how to talk to fans. So they they kind of have a right not to like him because he did talk to some of the fans like shit. Especially when this whole angle starts when he shuts down St. Louis, he does his Facebook live and he's trying to be major based in, but also be heelish towards St. Louis fans because it was going to lead to something, but. You can't really do that when you're in his, his position because they've never known you as a character. So, look, like Major invested a shit ton of money into St. Louis to try to make it work. Way more than what he put into Kansas City at the beginning. It just didn't work out. But he never wanted just to see St. Louis fail. He didn't like St. Louis, but he didn't want... Obviously, I don't think he went, boy, I can't wait to start this fucking thing in St. Louis and lose a shit ton of money. Like He, he tried. Well, because, I mean, like, originally the idea is for him to have, like, him to be, like, a minor league sports franchise. Right. Where, like, each city has its own thing and they've all eventually feud. Because, like, there was also supposed to be Chicago one. There was talk of Texas. Right. Oklahoma, like, branching Mm. out. Like, you know, ripping right off Greg and Jay's idea for teams. (laughs) Yeah. I heard that. That's a thing, too. Like, he didn't rip off anyone's idea. Like, I could see where they would think that. Uh, but no, Major didn't even know they existed. Well, like, let me let me do a quick Greg impression so I can get a qu- exact quote. Oh, I think he fucking show more idea. Don't sound nothing like Greg. Yeah, well, none of your impressions sound like fucking me. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Um, yeah, like it, it sucked, but like you could see the writing on the wall because Casey eventually starts getting more preferential treatment and. I don't want to sound like an asshole and like it hurt. Like it, it definitely was a bit demoralizing to the locker room, but like, but because I'm close to you, I know why. And it's like, yeah, all that makes sense. Like you can't just keep losing money yeah. for well, something that's not producing. Cause draws no, no, I think there were maybe if I remember right, only two draws that ever dipped below a hundred and Casaloma. Yeah. I don't think there were any, I think our lowest draw in Casaloma was 110. Oh, I, thought, I think. But, I thought there was an 81. No, I don't think so. Okay. Was it, uh, uh, fuck, what was the next place? Uh, Vet, not Vet, no, Vet, like the funny thing is St. Louis always did a hundred people or more, but the problem was Kansas city was doing three, four, sometimes 500 more plus and that that's where it become an issue. But major just didn't handle anything with St. Louis the right way. Uh, and that that's ultimately why all a lot of the fans don't like him. Like the way he shut down, you know, St. Louis or Casa Loma in the middle of the fucking night, like rub people the wrong way. Would one of those people be you? No, not really. I mean, I had kind of felt like I had, but by the time he shut down St. Louis, I felt like I had proven myself enough to where I wouldn't just be fired. Now, I was a little concerned he would be like, hey, you need to uh, move to Kansas City or we'll have to let you go. I kind of thought maybe that would happen. Yeah. But I didn't think I was going to be fired once St. Louis got shut down. Um, but... Yeah, so it didn't really rub me the wrong way. I, I 
we'll get into all that in a minute. Is there anything else we got to talk about Casaloma wise? I don't know. Check your notes. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think so. of. I mean, I think Casaloma days. We see the end of Coco Rumble. Yeah, let's touch on him for a second. We see the end of Letterman, I believe. The first champion. Yeah. So we do the tournament. Letterman wins the belt, but by this time, you know, he. I don't want to speak completely for him. He hated living in Kansas City. He wanted to live in St. Louis. I think another part of it was that Elgin had started Glory, and it was like a cool place, and he wanted to wrestle there. Yeah. Uh. And, you know, I, but I think ultimately it is just he hated living in Kansas City. So he 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 was going to ask for his release. I knew he was going to ask for his release. Then he asked for his release. <laughs> That's pretty much all that was. Uh, yeah. I don't think they were too happy. I, I didn't have any heat with him. I understood it. I do. Did I agree with it? I wouldn't say I agreed with it. I don't. I would never agree with walking away from a full time salary with benefits to go work anywhere for, for less, way, way less than that. Like unless if you were going to go from like there to go, hey, I got a spot at Ring of Honor that they're you know I want to get signed. I, then I can more see it. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I agreed with it, but I, I understood it, and I didn't have any heat with him for it. He, well, he wanted to do what he wanted to do, and you know. Let's also talk like major paid for these place these these living quarters. Yeah. Well, like, you could have. I mean, it, yeah, but the people who he paid for their living made less than the people he didn't. So it was like, you could pick one or two ways. You either make this much and you're on your own or you make this much, but he pays your electricity, your rent, your cable, mm. shit like that. So okay. I, I could see him being up saying, you know, they pay for gear and they make a financial investment in you. So I could see why major would be upset, but you know, again, you can't. I would rather someone go on than be somewhere they don't want to be, and he didn't want to be there anymore, living in Kansas City. And I, I think he would have been fine with going just down to part time right away, but at that time, that's not something Major wanted to do. So, well, because there were big plans. Um, you know who else there were big plans for? Coco fucking Rumble. Yeah, that more irritated me than the Letterman stuff. I mean, Letterman, he did it in a way that. He's professional. professional. He went in. He said he was going to be, he wanted to ask for his release. He dropped the belt. He had a great match with Maverick when he did drop the belt. And then he went on. Mm -hmm. Where Coco Rumble, and I've talked to fucking Sugar since this. So it's not really any heat. But, you know, he, there was a big financial investment made into him. They had bought all this new merchandise for him. Thousands of dollars. Two they pairs of gear. Paid for his gear. They would flown him out to Kansas City to do, like, character video and stuff. Like, and he just sent a fucking email to me and Chris on a Sunday and said, Hey, I can't work Sundays. My job won't give me the day off. Which, I don't expect anybody to quit their fucking job for a wrestling show. Even one that does pay you well, that's only a one-time payout a week. So I don't expect you to lose your job. But the problem I have is when that email sent and then, like, you're fucking taking Sunday bookings no more than not even later. a month later. Yeah. So I, I, what it really boils down to to me is this company is taking up a lot of your time and you want to be able to do other shit. Fine, but there was a way more professional way to do it than what happened. And I, you know, like I said, I like Sugar. I, I don't have any heat with him. 
but he handled that wrong because it cost fucking company a lot of money and it wasn't even a situation where it's like i need to take less dates can we work this out it was just i can't do it i quit i can't it wasn't a thing where it's like hey can i be moved to the kansas city brand because that's on saturdays just no just i can't do it anymore because of my job when it don't seem like his job was the reason but I don't want to get. I don't want to sound like we're burying the guy. Like NWL's over. I don't have any. I've talked to him after this at a Mid South show. I went with with Gary too. Right after NWL closed, always got along with him, but I felt like he handled this the wrong way. Never liked him. Bye. Hey, there it is, guys. Um, that was the episode. Uh, hopefully, we answered all your questions so far. But if we didn't. Please feel free to tweet at us and let us know if you do have any questions. And we, uh, if we get a lot of questions or a lot of stories come up, we'll record a third episode about him. If not, we'll answer the questions in uh, you know moments of the week or uh, food for thought. Um, but here it is, your plug for March 23rd, a show that looks fucking incredible. The main event is, of course, Gary J versus Nick Gage. Jeremy Wyatt defends the Gateway Heritage Championship in a... In a pure rules match against Larry D. That's going to be real fucking interesting. But here it is. My pick for match of the night. The Horse versus Hoss. Jake Parnell versus Thomas Shire. Also on the card. The besties in the world. Take on kicks and shit. Chip Day and Logan James. Mikey McFinnigan takes on Jake Lander. The Hooligans take on the Diamond Dogs. Everett Connors takes on Cody Lane. And a six-man tag that's... Uh, is changed because Graham Bell will now be in the Hooligans tag match. However, don't forget there's pre-party for $5. Front row is sold out, so you can only get general admission. And Everett Connors is doing a fucking magic show, because what can't that kid do? I hope to see you there. And if you can't make it or you're too far away, go to independentwrestling.tv. Use the promo code STLANARCHY for 20 days free. Get caught up on everything you want, and then go ahead. Spoil yourself with Anarchy versus Everybody.